good morning to you, church. Um, just an update on, uh, let's see if I'm adjusted here. Yesterday, we had a great outreach. How many are a part of the Easter egg hunt? Let me see your hand. <clears throat> Stand with me, would you please? All those that helped out with the Easter egg hunt, well, I don't care if you're back, young, greeted people, worked back at the stations. Let's give them a hand. They did a tremendous job <laughs> serving this community. Thank you. All those that helped out. Had many, many families and new families and kids come in, and Katie did an amazing job, and it wasn't even without Ryan. Ryan helped out so much uh, in, in everything, and was so grateful for uh, Ryan and, and Katie and all those that she has, her workers, and they really care about the children of this church. How many know our children matter? <clears throat> How many know church matters for kids? Just thought I'd throw that out there. It matters, so... Uh, well, Christ is risen. <laughs> Amen. Um, I have a message here uh, that actually I've shared before many years ago, but I, I remember hearing it when I was in Bible school, theology school, back in the 1980s, and I had the opportunity to go to Israel. How many of you have been to Israel? Let me see your hand. Just a few. This was the 40th anniversary from 1948 when they became a nation to 1988. So I was there and with Christ of the Nations, the, uh, the theology training school in Dallas, and uh, Dr. Weiss uh, was sharing there, and he was sharing uh, at the tomb. And uh, so, you know, there's two, there's the Catholic version, and then there's the, the Protestant version of the tomb in Gethsemane, and <clears throat> you can see the rock formation, and, and so, you know, that, that, that's where they believe uh, was where uh, Christ was, was buried, and both very uh, powerful places, both of them, going there and visiting. But he, he shared about what I want to share with you here this morning, because I never forgot it. And I felt it's very appropriate for your life today. So I'm going to share something that's 2,000 years old, but it applies to every single person here today. Are you awake this morning? <laughs> Let me read a text, and then I'll pray. <clears throat> John chapter 20, verse 1 through 7, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, John, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. That tells me John always was in competition with Peter that he was faster. Come on, that's a 12-year-old boy thing. Come on, I'm faster. <clears throat> and reached the tomb first. He bent over and he looked in with the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. When he saw the strips of linen lying, lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head, the cloth was folded up by itself, separated from the linen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I humble myself before you. I recognize in and of myself that I have nothing good to say, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me to reach the hearts of every single person here that is physically present and those online that are watching. Lord, I speak a blessing. Fill them with your presence. Lord, speak to them by your Spirit here today. Confirm things, challenge things, and and Lord, just inspire each and every person that only you can do here today. I give you all praise, glory, and honor. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Somebody say amen. 
it's a little background in Bible days. When somebody died, it was the duty of a family member to close the eyes and kiss the cheek of the dead. When Christ died, this became the duty of two men, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. And so they both went to Pontius Pilate and they begged the body of Jesus, history tells us, and they had to take him down from the cross. He was dead. And that was not an easy chore. I'm just going to drill down a little bit on that. First, they had to rig a ladder to get up there. And then they had to climb up the side of the cross. And then they had to pull out his hands uh, off with the nails. Now, these were not just an eight penny or a 16 penny or 10 penny nail. These were spikes. Now, I don't know about you if you ever pulled nails out of a board. Sometimes you need a crowbar, and that's just for a 10-penny nail. How many hear what I'm saying? You just can't seem to get it out, or a 16-penny. These were spikes. So they did this with gentleness and care and respect and love. And so there was no way they could get those spikes out of the wood, not from that angle, and with his hands between the wood and the nail head. How many of you know faith is action? Oh, and then going to Christ, and, and, I, and just when I think about that, them pulling the nails out, they had, to, they had to do something, they had to go. Our faith is involved when it comes to salvation. Your life, your will is involved. Some people just kind of walk around through life and they have the mindset, well, if, if God wants to show himself to me, he will. And, you know, it kind of case sarah, sarah, if he's going to do it. I mean, I don't know, the man upstairs, he's the big guy. And I'm just a little guy, a little gal down here. And, and you know what? God cares about you. As individuals. Everyone matters. The Bible says Jesus left the 99 for the one. What does that mean? The one matters to God. Are you here this morning? The one matters. And so, so there was no way they could get to that. And, and so they, they, they had to get up there and they had to gingerly remove that. With, I believe it was just delicate. And once the hands, his hands were loose, they allowed the body of Jesus to sag onto his sheet. And then they would remove his feet from the nail in the same manner. Once again, that was not an easy task to do that. And so they took the body of Jesus to a new tomb that Joseph had prepared for himself. So he had this tomb that was prepared for himself when he died. And so he put Christ in there and no man never lay in there. And then they washed the body and they wrapped it in a white linen. And uh, we've heard the relics about the Shroud of Turan and that, you know, they believe that it was the body of Jesus that was wrapped in that. I don't know, but it's revered. Uh, then they would take his arms and fold them over his chest and they would close his eyes and they kissed his cheek and they placed a napkin. Somebody say a napkin. napkin. Over his face, over his head. And that is what they call the sudarium. It's actually a sudarium. Of, it's in Spain, Oviedo, Spain. It's about 30-something inches by 20-something inches. And it was that they would put that over a, a, a dead person. You know, John 27 talks about this napkin that was put over the face of Jesus. And I thought about that, and I read a little bit about this, this napkin and some of the, the relics and tradition, and they believe this matches with the Shroud of Turin, and I can't prove all that. But there's something interesting in the Bible that relates, I believe, to all of us here today about this moment. So they walked away from the tomb, and I would imagine they were silent. I would imagine that all you could kind of hear was maybe sadness and sniffles and crying, just just wondering what has just happened, what has just taken place. Kind of like a lead ball in their stomach and pitted their stomach thinking, you know what, it's all over, the dream. It, 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 it just seemed like there was so much momentum in it. It, it lasted for, it just seems three short years. 
We were so hopeful. We were so excited and it's all dashed. Why? Why did it go this way? Why did it happen this way? Why? As they left that tomb, three days passed. It seemed like an eternity. Creation groans. You know, the Bible talked about as creation groans. And I wonder at that time if the birds didn't sing those three days. I wonder. I wonder if uh, the sun refused to shine. And I think for three days, I know all the demons of hell, they rejoiced. Satan, they rejoiced. They won. They took out the Son of God. The plan that God had was taken out. We had a brilliant scheme. We got the guy. No more of this guy's teaching. No more of this salvation thing. We won. Victory for us. But on the third day, something wonderful happened. Somebody say amen. Something miraculous happened. God the Father said to the angel in heaven, go get my son. And by the time that angel came down and his foot touched the ground, that stone rolled away and light shone and Jesus rose from the dead. He lives forevermore. But I want to share you some interesting observation in John 20. Again, Mary comes first to the empty tomb and that stone is rolled away and it frightens her. And and so she returns to get Peter and John and they run together to the tomb as I just read and and we know that they see these grave clothes arriving there. And, and so Peter, as we expected, I can relate to Peter. Peter just barges right in. What's going on? You know, John just kind of waited a little bit like, what, what, what's happening? I, I, see, I see what's going on here, but I don't understand. And, and uh, the gospel of John tells us that the napkin, which was placed over the face of Jesus, it wasn't just thrown to the side, but it was folded. Somebody say folded. The Bible takes an entire verse to tell us that the napkin was neatly folded and placed at the head of the stony coffin, John 27. And I thought, is that important? Is that significant? How many know if the word of God is the word of God, every word of God is the word of God? Come on, somebody. Amen. It's there for a reason. All right. And so so I thought, you better believe that's important. That's very important. So in in order to understand about this napkin, it goes back a little bit with Hebrew tradition of that day. And so the folded napkin had to do, briefly here, uh, with the master and the servant, and every Jewish boy knew of this tradition. So when the servant set the dinner table for the master, he made sure that it was exactly the way the master wanted it. You know, we've traveled to many uh, uh, countries and, and in Southeast Asia, and my wife and I, and some of you have traveled with us, and uh, they still serve uh, uh, tables like that, especially in, in Sri Lanka, and they have young men that, that just... They're, they're dressed, and you know that they are the servants, and they watch the table. And so they watch what you eat when it needs to be taken away. They go right over there, and they remove that, and they're always waiting on you, but they stand off to the side. I thought, amazing, amazing similarity. And so <clears throat> the servant and in, 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 in the master, they had this thing that they, they understood. So the table was furnished perfectly. <clears throat> so the, the, that servant, he would wait, kind of out of sight, and then after the master had finished eating... The servant wouldn't even go near the table, dare touch it, until the master was finished. Now, if the master was done eating, he would rise from the table, he would wipe his fingers, his mouth, he would clean his beard, he would wad up that napkin, and he would toss it on the table, then he would leave. That would tell the servant, this guy's done. It's over. He, he, he's leaving, it's time to clean the table, time to take care of the business. So in other words, in those days, the, na- the wadded up napkin, watch this, meant that I'm done. But if the master, he got up from the table, he folded his napkin and laid it aside his plate, 
the servant would dare not touch the table because the servant knew that the folded napkin meant, watch this, I'm not finished yet. The folded napkin meant, I'm coming back. Come on, somebody. I need to shout hallelujah here right now. I'm not done. I'm coming back. Hallelujah. Excuse me. Praise the Lord. I'm not finished. I could say that in a Pentecostal way. How many know that Jesus is still alive? Jesus still is the healer. He's a miracle worker. He's the savior of souls. He's a healer of marriages. Can I get an amen? Peter and John, they walk with Jesus physically for three years. People say, well, we don't have any tradition, Bible, and writings. You have more literature and writings about the physical witness of Christ than we have other seculars that we take in hand and believe. Can I get an amen? For sure, documented eyewitness reports. They watched him as he opened blind eyes, deaf ears. They watched as he literally raised people from the dead. They watched that with their eyes. They saw that. They watched him die. And as they watched, all their hopes, as I shared, and their dreams were shattered. All they could think was, this is over. It's shut down. No more. It's over. And so for three long days, I believe they were all in the depths of despair. The lights of their soul had gone dim. Peter even said this. He said, you know what? I'm going back to fishing. In other words, I'm going back to what worked. I tried this Jesus thing, and it worked for a few times. It worked for a little while. I was in a desperate season of my life, but I'm done with this. I got to go back to what works. Can I get an amen in this place? Mm. Some of you are just pondering that right there. And and, and so so we, we see this. We see this. Their dreams are shattered. What was all this for? But after three days, they saw an empty tomb. But not that they not only just seen an empty tomb, but they saw this folded napkin. And I believe the Spirit of God spoke to them both at that moment and said, you know what? There's a sign here. There's something that God is communicating that he's not finished yet. And God is not finished yet with his church. God is not finished yet. That empty tomb shouts that we have a Savior. Can I get an amen? I want to submit to you today two things, that God is not finished saving souls today. That folded napkin says that he is not finished saving souls. The Bible says that Jesus came into this world to save sinners and establish his kingdom. Very popular verse. It's still nonetheless true. For God sent not his sons to the world to condemn the world, John 3, 17, but that the world through him might be saved. Can you say amen? Acts 4, 12. Neither is there salvation in any other name, but there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved at the name of Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. You know, there are two kinds of people in this world today. And the distinction is not about culture. It's not about race. God doesn't see us that way. Did you, did you hear that? He doesn't see us that way. He doesn't see rich or poor. He doesn't see educated or uneducated. He doesn't see Republican or Democrat or independent. Come on now. Amen. <laughs> In the eyes of God, there are two kinds of people in the world today. Those that have already been saved and those who need to be saved. That's two kinds of people I'm speaking to here today. Can you say amen? And so some people have the mistaken idea that good people are saved and only bad people need to be saved. Well, certainly bad people need to be saved, but so do good people. I remember spending time, spending a a tour in the Philippines while I was stationed at the Marine Corps in Subic Bay. And uh, we had this little God squad kind of put together, and I had about eight or ten of these guys that they got saved, and we were water baptizing them. And so we had meetings, and we made T-shirts. I actually still have the T-shirt. 
At one sermon, I, I, unless it's thrown away, I don't know, I hope not. But I have this teacher, the God Squad, that they hand-painted. And has a big angel on the back with a sword, cutting the head of a demon off. And it was pretty radical, but it worked in the Marine Corps. <laughs> the Marines like, yeah, yeah, all right, all right, you know. And so we were the God Squad. And uh, I remember we started doing a fundraiser for a pastor there. We wanted to buy him a refrigerator, and we went around. And, of course, one of the guys I was with, and he's, he's a preacher of the gospel today, actually, and uh, he carried a bat while we went to go raise money. I don't know why he had a bat, but he just carried his bat. And so we went to the second lieutenant's uh, 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 bivouac and, and the Quonset hut. And we said, sir, you know, we're raising money. And we started sharing the gospel. And he's like, hey, I'm a good person. I, I'm, not, I'm not going to hell. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't know. He felt that his good works and just, he's a good man. That that's going to cut it. <clears throat> well, my friend Jeffrey with a bat said, no, you must be born again. And then, then it started a time of witnessing. But... There are just only two kinds of people, those that have already been saved and those that need to be saved. And so no one, let me say this, exists who's so bad they can't be saved. No one's so good that they don't need to be saved. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned, it comes short, of God's standard. So in God's eyes, there's no difference. There's no big sinners and little sinners. How many know it's just sinners? <laughs> in God's eyes... I'm as guilty as breaking God's holy standard as the worst sinner in this room or the world. Can you say amen? So in God's eyes, there are sinners who have, that have been forgiven, like me, and like many of you, and sinners who have not been, but you certainly can be today. <laughs> can you say amen? You know, years ago, the evangelist, uh, his name was Billy Sunday, a very famous evangelist, he was preparing to go in a certain city and do a major crusade. And so he wrote ahead of the time, ahead of his time to the mayor, and he writes this, and he said, would you please send me the names of the people in your area who need serious spiritual help? So, to Sunday's surprise, the mayor sent him back a telephone book. <laughs> the mayor knew something. <laughs> he understood that, how many know we all need spiritual help? We all need spiritual help. That means you too. Amen. <clears throat> so how many know that the napkins folded? Jesus is still saving souls today second thing <clears throat> the napkin still folded and jesus is not finished reclaiming backsliders <clears throat> and let me just say this you know the term backslider it talks about backsliding in heart there's a number of verses about that and there's those who believe once saved always saved and i believe that as i stay in the hollow of god's hand i believe i'm eternally secure but i can go crazy and be a nut job and, and resist god and I believe if I continue to risk the Lord, I'm in danger. I believe the Bible speaks about that. Some don't believe that. Is it once saved, always saved? So you can kind of say, hey, I prayed the prayer. I did the thing. I go live my life, do what I want right now, and forget about God, forget about the kingdom of God, whatever. But I said the prayer. No. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Some of you didn't like that. <laughs> He's not finished reclaiming backsliders. It actually literally means that term, to turn back or turn away from God. Now, here's the thing. It isn't like you jump off a cliff. That's not how it happens. It's how it happens. It's a slow process. That's right. That's right. You know what? I didn't like the situation. I prayed for somebody. They didn't. Where is God in this? You know, I asked for my marriage this. I asked for... And, and what happens is you just... You slowly do... Hey, hey. Shake hands with people. Then all of a sudden, you don't see yourself much. Come on, you're out. You used to read. You know, you used to have worship music on. You don't listen to it no more. You turn on whatever, whatever. You listen, you feed that, you, you mind, all that stuff. It's just a slow process. That's how it happens. 
Boy, I got awfully quiet at this full gospel church. Amen? So it's not like jumping off a cliff. It, it, it's like a, 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 it's, it's, it's like a, a, a consistent downhill motion. Kind of our heart, we lose our first love. and We get cold in our heart. And spiritual decay is a, is a gradual process. It's not a quick and immediate, you know, like you think for most people. Well, a few days, and this is a powerful illustration, I'll conclude with this. Before Christ died, he took his disciples aside and he told them what was going to happen. And so he says, I'm going to be betrayed, arrested, I'm going to be beaten, and I'm going to be crucified. Then he looked at the disciples and he said, all of you are going to desert me. That's pretty embarrassing. I'm, I'm a pretty loyal guy. I think I'm told I'm a six on the Enneagram, but I think I'm others, but uh, I'm a loyal guy. You know what I mean? It's like, you know what, I'll stick to it. And I have a few friends here that just, you know, you die for those people. And, and so loyalty is strong. And when, if someone would say that to me, I'd say, no, not, not me. I'm there for you. I've been through the, come on, somebody. I've been through the tough, tough times. And no, I'm not going to do that. And so Peter, he rose up in his typical style. They said, not me, Lord. Though all shall be offended, yet I will never be offended in you. Let me break that down to 2022. In other words, Lord, I don't know about the rest of these bums, but you can count on me. I'm not going to betray you. Though I should die with thee, yet I will not deny thee. Mm. I can see Jesus shaking his head thinking, you know what, Peter? In just a short time, you're going to deny me three times. Actually, by tomorrow morning. What? deny you three times are you nuts well bible says the roman soldiers came to arrest the lord jesus christ and so what does peter do peter has this surge of courage why jesus is still with him come on somebody jesus is still with so he's courageous pulled out that sword and it says that he went and he cut off one of the priest's ears and jesus said put the sword away and roman soldiers there and you know i i I think about that moment and uh, Jesus does something. I think he was actually heading for, you know, he's heading for the guy's head, cut off the guy's head. And the guy moved. We don't know. But the ear got lopped, you know, lobbed off. <clears throat> what a horrible situation. What does Jesus do? The Bible says he kneels down, picks up that ear, puts it on, and it's healed. If I was the Roman soldier in that moment, I would have said, I am with this guy and I'm going with him. Come on, somebody, man. <laughs> I would not have like, guys. Wait, what just happened? <laughs> I'm with this guy. So what do they do? They arrest Jesus. We know the story subject him to sheer torture. What happens to Peter's courage? It turns to butter. Young lady approaches and said, I know you. You were with him. <clears throat> and he begins to say, you know what? I don't know the man. I, I, I don't know the man. Another came up and said, again, <clears throat> and he denied Christ. And yet another said, Your accent betrays you. You're a Galilean. You travel with this Jesus. You're one of his disciples. So it's the third time. And he denies him. But but for emphasis, he even throws in a few cuss words. Because the Bible says that he begins to just swear, I don't know the man. Now, I don't know what he said. We'll know someday when we get to heaven. But he's basically saying, I don't know the blank, the blank man. Leave me alone. And this was amazing. Luke twenty two sixty one. The Bible says the rooster crows the second time. Peter, what happens to him? He remembers the words of Jesus. And he looks off into the distance. And there, because he was within seeing distance of the Lord. 
as he's being beaten. And the Bible says, in their eyes caught. It actually says in Luke twenty two sixty one. 61. It's one of the only gospels that brings it out. It says, then the Lord turned and looked straight at him. The Lord turned and looked straight at him. You, you remembered my word, what I said? How, honey, how many of you know that? I mean, that's one thing. You betray a friendship. That's heavy. You betrayed, betrayed God. There's, there's no recovering from that, right? I mean, he betrayed God. <clears throat> and what does he do? His heart breaks. It's full of sadness and grief and sorrow. He goes out and starts pounding on a rock. He's crying, oh God, how could I have done this? How could you forgive me? I betrayed you. And so three days he lives in shame. Come on, he lives in guilt. He lives in condemnation. I've denied the Lord. I've denied the Lord. And there are some of you here today feel that. Used to follow the Lord. Used to pray. At one time, but maybe a bitter divorce. Something shipwrecked your heart. Man, I feel God here. Something hurt you. And you know what? I've done some things that there's no way I could go back. There's no way I could go back. But I want you to see something here as I conclude. And Mark 16, I'm just going to paraphrase that Mary Magdalene, mother of James, they come to bring these sweet spices. And Mark's account is a little bit more in-depth than we read in John. And she shows up to the tomb and with Mary, the mother of James, and they see a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were frightened, and he said, don't be afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. Behold the place where he lay. Then watch what this angel says. He said, but go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter mm, that he goes before you into Galilee. There you shall see him, and he said unto you, as he said unto you. Now I want you to think about this in your mind's eye. These ladies run to the disciples. They hear this good news. They're confused, but you know, something's going on. He's alive. He's arisen. And, and while they break into where the disciples are mourning, Peter's there off on the side, full of guilt, full of remorse, kind of hanging around the rest of the disciples thinking maybe they don't know what I just did, what I'm going through, what I said. Maybe they don't. And then they hear this, and he's shocked. Would you just say? He's alive? He says he's from the dead? Yes, he said to meet him in Galilee. And so, like many of you here today, maybe you're in the depths of depression. Maybe you're in despair. And you feel, you know what, I've, I've betrayed the faith. I've betrayed God. There's some things that I've done that could just, they're just unforgivable in my mind. But I want you to see the same thing happen to Peter. Peter maybe in that moment got a little bit encouraged. Maybe in his mind he thought, is Christ risen? Is he? I mean, maybe. But then all of a sudden I think he just was dragged back down. If he is, how can I face him? What can I say? He doesn't mean for me to come. Maybe he means for the rest of these disciples. He doesn't want me. I've denied him three times. I swore. I don't understand what's going on. I know I did a lot wrong. I don't know what they're trying to say. And then the ladies say, oh, Peter, by the way, he mentioned you by name. What? God knows your name. So God knows your name, knows your sin, knows everything about you. He's still calling you today. He's still calling you today. He said, he did? What did he say? He said, go tell the disciples. And he said, and go tell Peter. 
I denied him. I, I, why would he call my name? I've done some really bad things. If people knew, they wouldn't want to get to know me. Stand with me with you would, please. I thought about this. I thought, why would Jesus want to see Peter? Would he want to see Peter? Because he wanted to rebuke Peter. I wonder about that. Yeah. You denied me. Let me fill you in what I got to say to you. I remember this. I remember that. I know this. Come on, somebody. Amen. I, I, and he could, you know, maybe that's why he wants to see me. He's going to rip into me because of my sin. Shh. Wow. No, Jesus didn't say, and I want to see Peter to rebuke him. Jesus wanted to restore Peter if he had bowed here this morning. One of the sweetest scenes you'll ever see in Scripture is Peter and Jesus coming together and Jesus hugging him and saying, Peter, not here's the sins you've done. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you believe I'm the one? Peter, I know you have fallen. You've drifted away. But do you love me, Peter? Not Peter, are you going to stop cussing anymore? Peter, are you going to stop sinning anymore? Peter, it's about time you stop lying or stealing or cheating. No, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And friends, that's the real issue this Resurrection Sunday. With every head bowed here this morning, you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor? I feel like Peter, backslider in heart. Was there ever a time when you felt you were right with the Lord? See, the real question is not that you can drink anymore and get drunk. You can continue to fornicate. You're going to lie. You're going to steal. Are you going to just continue to live for your flesh? No, the real question today is, sir, ma'am, young person, do you love Jesus? Do you love him? Jesus went through a few questions and said, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, take care of my lambs. If you love me, preach my gospel. He hugged and he loved him and he forgave him. If he had bowed here this morning, see, that's me, Pastor. I need to get right. What an amazing day, this Resurrection Sunday. You could get right with the Lord. Maybe you don't know the Lord. You need to be born again. We're going to lead you in a prayer here today that you can receive Christ. For some of you, maybe many of you, I don't know, you're a backslider in heart and you know that. You've drifted. And you felt like Peter in this moment right now. What do you need to do? The first step, the Bible says, repent and believe the good news. Faith is action. Faith is decision. You decide to believe. And when you surrender your life to Christ, the Bible says we have to continually die daily, spiritually speaking. Die to our flesh. Die to the things we want. But he's given you power to overcome the enemy. If you'll let him. If you'll let him. You're here this morning, maybe watching online. He said, Pastor, I want to be restored. I want Jesus to know I love him today. If that's you, let's pray corporately. Say this to me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, come into my life. 
Save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. In Jesus' name. Amen.